Connects talks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This life science-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to keep you up to date. This week on the show, we are discussing Minorini Diagnostics' new COVID-19 test and Gilead suing sellers of counterfeit HIV drugs. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the X-Talks Life Science Podcast. I'm Aisha Rashid, science journalist at xtalks.com and this week I'm joined by Sydney Perlmutter and Vera Kovacevich. Thanks for coming. So I'm going to start us off today with this story about how Gilead is going after distributors who have been selling illicit versions of their HIV drugs. Gilead Sciences has been seizing counterfeit versions of its HIV drugs Bictarvi and Discovi since last year And now it's suing distributors who have been behind selling the counterfeit medications. Now, the counterfeit drugs were being sold across several states in the U.S. over the past two years, so since about 2019 or so. The drugs were sold to U.S. pharmacies by an unauthorized web of distributors who were faking bottle labels and documentation. And of course, this is a significant threat to patient safety. In an announcement last week, Gilead outlined that it was taking actions to remove the counterfeit drugs from circulation and said that it was working in coordination with the U.S. Marshals and local law enforcement um, in conducting seizures at 17 locations across nine different states. Gilead also announced that it had launched a lawsuit against the web of counterfeit distributors in July last year, but the civil suit was only revealed by a federal judge in Brooklyn last week. Now, so far, the ongoing investigations and raids have so far uncovered 85,247 bottles of fake or tampered versions of the Gilead HIV drugs. These bottles had Gilead labels, and among them include different doses of Bictarvi, uh, 50 milligrams, 200 milligrams, as well as Discovi, uh, again, a couple of different doses of them. Now, these counterfeit drugs have been in circulation across local pharmacies, um, and so this is obviously a very big concern. And the seized counterfeit drugs had falsified paperwork and in some cases also had altered packaging. Now, while some of the bottles actually contained some authentic uh, medication, others had over-the-counter painkillers or an antipsychotic drug, it was found. So they would use those bottles, uh, take off the labels, wrap them up with uh, fake labels of uh, Gilead, and uh, go ahead, and then they would put in the counterfeit versions of the pills. Gilead said that the counterfeiters would take the empty or near-empty bottles and sub in the fake pills, reseal the bottles, and then uh, concoct fake documentation to present them as authentic, unopened bottles of the medications. So Gilead said that it's continuing to work with the FDA and law enforcement to remove the counterfeit and tampered medication and to prevent future distribution of counterfeit drugs. 
So Bictarvia and Discovy are two of Gilead's most successful drugs on the market. Um, and they bring over wallow in the billions, in the range of billions every year for the company. So Gilead had first issued an alert to the alleged distributors of the counterfeit drugs and to consumers as well in August of last year. And, and in that, they stated that they were aware of their operations and that consumers should report any medications that they um, were suspicious of having been tampered with or being counterfeit. So Gilead's lawsuit contains uh, consists of 22 alleged uh, distributors who are behind these operations, and this includes wholesale distributor Safe Chain Solutions of Maryland, um, who has defended itself against the allegation. Gilead said that the counterfeiting agents were actually exploiting individuals who were low income or disadvantaged, such as those experiencing homelessness or substance abuse by buying the HIV drugs that were dispensed to them. So they were buying the drugs off of them and then reselling and or refilling the bottles with fake pills and then the falsified documentation. And then these products, like I said, were being sold to pharmacies using counterfeit supply chain documentation. And so because of that, Gilead was able to track the illegit illegitimate transactions by checking that documentation. So in accordance with federal law, all drugs on the market have a transaction history that traces back to the manufacturer so that um, their validity can be verified. And uh, so the company says that it's continuing to work with law enforcement to remove all the counterfeit products. And counterfeit drugs continue to be a concern, um, particularly targeting of uh, HIV drugs. So Johnson & Johnson experienced the same issue when it found fake versions of its HIV drug, Symptuza, um, in 2020, being peddled again by these illicit distributors. Um, Johnson & Johnson also actually re uh, reached a $6 million settlement in a counterfeit medical device case that it won. And in that case, it actually discovered that an Illinois-based company had been selling counterfeit and expired versions of a certain brand of a surgical implant called, uh, the brand is uh, Ethicon, I believe. So yeah, very... Uh, Concerning story, very uh, interesting, and it's uh, it's a good thing, that, of course, that Gilead is going after these distributors and has launched this lawsuit against them. Uh, what do you guys think about this? Yeah, I almost was, I was very shocked uh, when I heard about this because I, I couldn't believe that U.S. pharmacies don't have a way to double-check the validity of the products they are selling. So I don't know. I guess the paper lo paperwork looked very legitimate to them. Um, maybe they they didn't do some backup checks uh, to you know yeah, double like check who's selling this yeah. to them. Yeah, I'm actually very surprised. Like I know pharmaceuticals are you know regulated um, substances, so I I don't know how that happened. I think. Um, Either pharmacies need a way to double check, I guess, who they are buying these medications mm -hmm. from. Like that needs to be standard procedure. I was very shocked when I heard this news. Um, 
Yeah, I, it seems like they just got um, unlucky and that it could have maybe happened to any um, any company. Uh, and I just had a question. What, well, first of all, how was it discovered? And also, um, what were they being replaced with? I know counterfeits, but I don't know what it would have been. Yeah, good questions. Um, they didn't mention exactly how they discovered this. Um Probably, I, I'm just thinking maybe in some annual, some regular auditing and, and checking documentation, and maybe they discovered something, you know, um, out of the ordinary or kind of strange there. And in terms of what the bottles were filled with, uh, some of them were filled with over-the-counter painkillers or an antipsychotic drug. Um, and some of them did contain authentic medication, so the original medication. Because remember, um, you know, they were buying these bottles from, from patients, essentially. And so some of the bottles were empty and some of them were, let's say, half full or nearly empty. And so they would just top them up with other medications like painkillers and such. I, it's just so disturbing that I'm not sure what kind of a person does it take to to actually, you know, put people at harm in this way. I mean, this is a serious uh, disease and infection that people are dealing with, HIV. And, you know, people rely on these drugs. Um, you know, many of them are on it for life. And it's such a critical life, they're critical life-saving drugs. And I don't know what kind of people it takes to execute and to um, deliberately cause harm to, to, to people. It's, it's astonishing to me. Um, I also think the f that pharmacies probably need to do a better job at perhaps auditing or whatever their procedures are in terms of uh, checking in uh, where their drugs are coming from and doing quality checks maybe somehow themselves internally, uh, of course, with the documentation as well. So I, I think they, to some degree, I'm not sure if they should be held accountable too. I'm not sure. I'm not saying that they were involved in all of this or anything like that. They're just an unknowing, um, unfortunate participant or bystander of this. Um, but I think there needs to be better regulation perhaps on, on their end too in terms of really knowing where their drugs are coming from and what they are. So another follow-up question, did the people that did orchestrate this, um, did they actually keep those, uh, the original medication or whatever happened to like the original, you know, what was in the, the, the pills? Yeah, so their main motive was just to get their hands on the bottles. So whether okay. they were empty or whether they were half empty or just, you know, had a couple of pills or maybe half a bottle. So they didn't care about like those pills. I don't, I don't know if they dumped them entirely or mixed the counterfeit ones in with some of the originals. So it, it's just uh, really unknown. Like their main motive was just to get bottles and hmm. to, yeah, to fill them up. That's that story, and I'm going to move on to another story, um, a little bit more hopeful in terms of talking about COVID and Omicron. Um, so an Italian company called Menorini Diagnostics um, has developed a new COVID-19 test that can detect 
um, a whole variety of different COVID-19 variants, including Omicron. So, of course, as we know, the Omicron variant of the SARS-CoV-2 virus is continuing to run rampant across the world. And so um, testing, of course, has been key, but uh, tests have been running short, as we've been hearing both PCR-based and antigen tests um, are in short supply. And so in many places, um, tests are not even being done anymore, uh, just because uh, the Omicron variant is, has become so widespread. So uh, there were also concerns in the beginning when Omicron came about that whether the current PCR-based tests could detect it, and I think I reported on this uh, back in December that uh, most of the tests on the market are able to detect um, the Omicron variant. So now we have a new test on the market. Um, it's CE certified, so in Europe. And the PCR test is called Corona Melt VAR, and it detects viral RNA in nasopharyngeal, oropharyngeal, and saliva swab samples and produces results in less than two hours. So it's kind of a more of a of a rapid PCR test. Now, this test is based on intercalating dye and melting curve analysis, and Menorini Diagnostics, who is, the, who is the developer of the test, says that the kit detects positive samples with high sensitivity by amplifying two specific targets that are both compatible with all of the variants of SARS-CoV-2, uh, including the wild type or, or original version of the virus as well. Uh, Menorini says that they're proud to have made this unique solution available so quickly and again just to aid healthcare professionals in providing a specific rapid and accurate solution for the diagnosis and identification of the COVID-19 Omicron variant. And this is, uh, was said by Fabio Piazzolunga who is chairman and CEO of Menorini Silicon Biosystems um, and Menorini Diagnostics is a uh, subsidiary of Menorini Silicon Biosystems. So the test generates distinct signals for the presence of two lineages of Omicron. So Omicron, there are actually two lineages. One is the BA1 sublineage, which is the original and dominant version of the variant that has been circulating. And then there is a sister sublineage called BA2, um, and the test also detects that. This lineage or sublineage is called the stealth Omicron um, because it has mutations in the spike protein that don't cause the characteristic S gene target failure or dropout that you see with the BA1 um, sublineage of Omicron, uh, as well as the alpha variant. So basically, you have uh, mutations in the spike protein, and because of that, the spike protein gene is not detected by the PCR test. So that's what makes Omicron um, characteristic. That, that S spike protein gene is not there, that's Omicron. But of course, in your PCR test, you have other targets. Uh, for example, uh, detection of the nucleocapsid uh, protein, um, which uh, lets you know that the virus is present in the sample. So each sample in this test only requires a single run to generate responses because there is no loss of sensitivity as with normal kits. Um, in addition, the test kit is compatible with most RNA extraction protocols and RT-PCR 
um, instruments that can perform melting curve analysis at moderate resolution. Um, in addition to this, so mo we know that most of the current PCR test kits can detect the Omicron variant, as I mentioned, but there is continuing conversation and research into what the best sampling site is. So there are some people and scientists who say that Omicron can be transmitted uh, when it has just infected the throat and saliva, but not the nose. So that means that tests may not pick up the virus in nasal swab samples. And there was a recent study that actually showed um, that PCR tests that used saliva samples could detect the virus on average three days before samples from the nose uh, showed positivity on antigen tests. And so because of this, some experts suggest that people should be taking samples from both the throat and the nose. And for example, in the UK, uh, they've actually approved rapid antigen tests that involve swabbing both the throat and the nose or just the nose. Um, and uh, again, like I uh, said before, testing capacities have been compromised all over, all around because of the rapid spread of Omicron. The White House last week announced that it would uh, deliver 5 million rapid tests and 5 million PCR tests to schools beginning this month to alleviate the supply shortages and to help guide the safe reopening of schools. Um, reopening of schools is just one of the many issues that we're facing, uh, sort of due to Omicron. Just wanted to get your thoughts on, uh, I guess, Omicron in general, this new test, and um, how you guys are all doing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so my main question is, from what I understood, this new test, uh, well, this new Corona Meltvar real-time mm -hmm. PCR kit. So basically, they're trying to market it as um, it can detect Omicron, just like the normal PCR kits do. But the advantage of the Corona Meltvar test is that it's done faster without losing sensitivity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's a more rapid test, um, and based on, you know, their technology that they're able to achieve, um, I think they're able to get results in less than two hours, so it's faster than your traditional PCR tests. Oh, okay, I see. But, may but they maintain the sensitivity, of course. I was just wondering, how long does a normal PCR test take? I know most people wait 24 hours to get their results, but I don't know how long the actual procedure is. Yeah, so I think it's about uh, four hours or so, if I can recall correctly, also from my lab days, <laughs> because you have the conversion step, right? So you have to uh, reverse transcribe your RNA to, to DNA. So that takes about an hour or so. And then you have uh, prep, you know, prepping the samples and then running, depending on how many cycles you're, you're running for. So I think all together it can take about three to four hours. I would say just the more tests, uh, the better. And, you know, knowing that it's, um, we've had so much confusion over, you know, our 
are rapid test accurate um, mm-hmm. and a lot of there was so much speculation around that and it was just giving people either false hope or false results or whatever so I think this is like a much needed test um, and it is amazing how quickly it was developed and I'm also not surprised because like the demand yeah. is there and clearly like we have the technology to do it it's just a matter of distributing it now and yeah allowing people to go on with their lives and make safe choices um so yeah and and also i know this might uh i know last week we we heard that um everyone in the u.s would be eligible for four uh rapid tests per household and i just wanted to get your thoughts on that too actually if you had any like thoughts on that do you think it's gonna be like effective do you think it's too little too late Oh, man, I think it's a combination of both, a little (laughs) too late. But then again, it's definitely great for, you know, things like schools reopening uh, Mm -hmm. and things like that. Uh, The other thing is, I I think I heard of the website crashing on people (laughs) because of the demand. Obviously, everyone trying to get in at once. So I'm not really sure what the situation with those are uh, right now. But um, I can't imagine it was planned um it i think it was just sort of like a just like slapped together like all right we're gonna offer everyone free rapid tests and um so of course the organization probably wasn't the best because of the short notice and, and all of that um so yeah i mean it's it's a good initiative of course i think they're coming from a good place with that but um again and then if you look at the climate in the u.s right except for a few states like california um and and new york but everything is pretty much open it's like Mm -hmm. i'm you know i'm reading comments online and hearing from people it's business as usual and so do you really think those people are going to care about taking a rapid antigen test um, when they're just conducting their lives as normal and they're like, well, we're just going to live with this and we're just going to ignore public health officials and we're, for us, COVID is over, you know, essentially. So it's it's very interesting um, what's happening to, uh, down, down there, our neighbors. Hope you guys are all well. <laughs> It also doesn't really seem too equitable to me because Mm. you could have one person in a household and you could have six or seven in another and they're all getting the same amount. So I'm surprised there wasn't an indicator of, you know, how many people are in a household. I mean, I totally get it. Like the intentions are are good, good, but I think, uh, yeah, there was definitely different ways to go about it. And um, yeah, to make the distribution a little more even or even possible. And also it's going to take time a, for them to actually get out. I think it's going to be like, it ships in like 7 to 12 days or something like yeah. that. So, you know, it's a rapid test, but like how rapid is it going to be to get to you? Like <laughs> people might have to go out and just get one. And and yeah, I don't know how accessible they are if you go to a pharmacy and you can, if you can pick one up or if you can go somewhere and pick one up. But I know here they're very few and far between. And same, yeah. with, same with PCR tests. So, um, you know, at least... Yeah, I don't know if we'll ever find a solid way uh, to make things equitable for people who want it, but they're trying. Mm -hmm. That's a great point that you brought up about um, equity, because if you think about, let's say, some uh, people living in low-income neighborhoods or seniors even that may not have access or may not be well acquainted with technology because you have to actually go on to the internet, onto their website and, and navigate that to get the tests. So 
um, that could also be a barrier for some subgroups and subpopulations like seniors, like low income people who may not have access to the internet. So, you know, there are a lot of issues at, at play. And I think as opposed to, I don't know, doing this online, there maybe could have been easier ways like at pharmacies or maybe your doctor's offices. Like, uh, yeah, Sydney, you said a pharmacy would be a, a much easier way. But uh, I know we had uh, in December, they were distributing them in some malls here in, in Toronto, in Canada, but I think they ran out real quick. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. They were also briefly, um, I don't know if they're doing this anymore, distributing them at uh, liquor stores. So the uh, Ontario liquor stores were um, distributing them. And I saw a really funny tweet that just had a picture of one of them and the caption was just like, the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> Because, yeah, I don't know why they chose those locations, but, uh, you know, the poor staff of the of the liquor stores, like, they don't, they, they this isn't their business. Like Exactly. They're not trained in this. What if someone no. has a question? They're going to go to them like, oh, so yeah. how do I use this? And they're like, ah, I sell booze here. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's, yeah, it's an uh, interesting state of affairs. And it's also interesting because in the beginning, Um, I remember a lot of people, including experts, and again, this just shows us the evolving situation, right, where we knew that rapid antigen tests didn't have the best sensitivity. And so, you know, experts were advising against using them and taking it with a grain of salt. But now it's like, you know, this is our number one, almost our number one tool um, because Omicron is so infectious and just And also the other thing is that um, after you have recovered from COVID, uh, they actually recommend taking an antigen test and not a PCR test because you can still have viral particles um, in your system for months. And so that you may still be positive on a PCR test. So the best way is to actually take those rapid antigen tests um, to make sure that... uh, you're in the clear. So it's just very interesting to me how in the beginning they were kind of panned, but now they're like such an essential tool. So it shows the evolving situation. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, and, and it's also interesting too, because uh, you you could be having symptoms at first. I remember I, I had a completely, you know, I had a, all the Omicron symptoms, but I took several mm-hmm. rapid tests across several days and I kept being negative. Um, But I think we just need to remember exactly what you just said, that just either either you may not have symptoms uh, after having recovered technically, but you could still be testing positive or you can test negative before, you know, you become infectious sort of thing. So yeah, I mean, there's so much to keep up with and everything Mm -hmm. is evolving so quickly. I think in this wave more so than than the last waves. I don't correct me yeah. if I'm wrong on that, but it seems like things are just shifting and changing um, a lot more quickly than than like you know the Delta wave and Delta, yeah, yeah. Maybe because Delta, I think that appeared sort of in the summer months, maybe, and it wasn't circulating as much. Um, but Omicron, of course, we know is a lot more infectious, so that's why it's also, uh, you know. Mm-hmm. Been in like sort of in the news and you know the situations and it has been evolving so quickly with it because it's spreading so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we'll just um, 
wait and see and um, evolve with the times. <laughs> yeah. With the pandemic times. <laughs> yeah, and the U.S. government, like we said, is allowing every household to order four free at-home COVID-19 tests. These tests are completely free, and they do usually ship in 7 to 12 days. So it's recommended to order your tests now so that you will have them at hand when you yeah. need them. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, it wouldn't make, it wouldn't do you any good if, like, you fall if sick you... and you order the test. <laughs> yeah. And it's It'll just be come... good for you to test yourself after the fact um, <laughs> to make sure you're not positive anymore. But, yeah, <laughs> once you've recovered. All right, so that's the end of this episode of the X Talks Life Science Podcast. If you liked today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you all next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the X Talks Life Science Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalks.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.